Hey, First Bout listeners, last week's episode, Allison Agosti, Randy Johnson destroying a bird. It did very well for us. Thanks to all of you for listening. I really appreciate it. I hope you're subscribed. I hope you're rating and reviewing. We're all we got. This is the only way this thing can be successful is if you all help me, and I'd appreciate that help. A little review, a little telling a friend, I'd really appreciate it. Magic Johnson, my favorite basketball player ever. He's actually one of my favorite things ever. I kind of only love basketball because of Magic Johnson. In a way, it's become disappointing because as a kid, I sort of presumed everyone played basketball the way Magic Johnson plays basketball. Then, November 1991, Magic Johnson stands up and tells the world he has HIV, the virus that becomes AIDS. I was absolutely leveled. We all were. I, I was a kid. I didn't know what was going on. Really, no one knew what was going on. I cried a bunch. A few months later, when Magic was voted in the All-Star game, I cried again. I sort of presumed that would be the last time I ever saw him in an NBA basketball game. And I was kind of appreciative. It felt like, oh my God, this is the last time I'm going to see this guy. But then came the Olympics, and Magic seemed like he was back on top of the basketball world. After the gold medal, Magic announced he was returning to the NBA. But a lot of players were scared, which is understandable. A month later, Magic retired again and said it was final. The following year, 1993, there were some rumors. On March 22nd of 1994, Magic was named head coach of the Lakers. 24 days later, after the season, Magic says he's never going to coach again. Two months after that, Magic becomes an owner, buying 50% of the Laker franchise. Here's the recap. Retired, all-star, Olympic gold medal, return, retire, head coach, retired head coach, owner, all in under three years. In July of 1995, amidst rumors he might return again as a player, Magic announces, quote, I'm never coming back. That's it, unquote. And on January 29th of 1996, Magic Johnson came back. This is First Ballot. Welcome to First Ballot, the podcast that celebrates the moments in sports that really matters and inducts them into the First Ballot Hall of Fame. I am your host, Neil, the podcast Jordan Clarkson, the right-handed, <laughs> half-Filipino, half-Jewish, gray in his beard, Anthony Peeler, coming to you live from the Shaquille O'Neal Office Depot, big and tall executive suite desk chair in my basement. Today's episode of First Ballot could be sponsored by... Move insoles. Do you know about move insoles? Well, you should. Move insoles provide the superior comfort, alignment, and performance advantages reserved for the pros. Plus, they help prevent injury and fatigue when you play. Truly a game day essential. You know, I was playing in an old man's league. They're not the men aren't that old. I want you to know I was dazzling. I'm pulling my usual. 12 to 14, 7 and 5. Great vision, great court vision. Teammates really surprised that I'm making the reads I'm making. The shovel pass, the underhand stuff. 
lots of craftiness on the offensive side of the ball. Really high level, higher than it should be. Uh, I put my move insoles into the shoes I was wearing. I It's insane. I don't have, like, basketball shoes anymore because I don't play enough basketball to warrant buying basketball shoes. So I had an old pair of Jordan 1s that I didn't love. And you know those stink to walk around in. So I stick my move insoles. My feet felt great. And you know the truth is that that's that's a good basketball thing. That's like a you know, and, and move insoles is for basketball and for basketball shoes. But and I you know, my guest here who can't yet in technically speak to this because he has not yet been introduced into the show. I do want to say something else about move insoles. Because I'm not playing enough basketball. I take the move insoles out of my basketball shoes and I put them in my Timberlands. <laughs> That's dope. My Timberlands are probably 12, 12 years old. And I, my guess is I'll get another 10 years out of those things because the move insoles, they feel brand new. It's the best those Timberlands have ever felt. I, I don't have the, the move insoles, the all days um, for sort of everyday wear. I have the, the, the game days, but goddamn, those are never coming out of my Timberlands. I got heavy feet. Also, my move insoles are completely unscathed. Whereas like other insoles, the inside of my sneaker, the this Dr. Scholl's that I've had in the past, it left in ribbons after a few wearings. Not a scratch on my move insoles. Anyways, we'll get more, we'll get to this more uh here in a minute. Move insoles designed by pros, built for all. Magic Johnson's return to the NBA in 1996 was for sure a great sports moment. But is it a first ballot Hall of Famer? We have to decide that today. And here to do it with me is a guy I'm very excited to meet and to talk to. He's an NBA agent with a legendary Goodwin Sports. He's an NBA player marketer representing guys like Damian Lillard, DeMar DeRozan, and others. He's now the co-founder of a new company called Move Insoles, selling the best insoles on the market. And if you spent any time on NBA Twitter, he's a forefather. You might know him at Jones on the NBA. He's a good man. He's generous with his time. It's the bright, the thoughtful Nate Jones. Yo, Nate, what's thanks good? for joining us. I appreciate it. Thanks for having me. What are your me thoughts on. on me wearing those in my Tim's? Man, it's awesome. It's funny because uh we've talked about internally um the New York market and how every you know winter's a little bit different, even though everyone's still kind of walking around. <laughs> yeah. Um, but that yeah. having a campaign around the New Yorker because they're the ultimate it's the ultimate walking city and doing something around Tim's doing totally. something around Air Force One's doing around all that stuff into the culture and how to market to them because you know I forget how many million millions of people are in you know Manhattan and and walking around every day but it's a real opportunity there if you get a fraction of them you have a real business so yeah it's dope to hear that the Tim's the Tim's appreciate the game the game days but I'm gonna get you a pair of all days because that that's gonna be that's really gonna take it to a next level for you let me tell you, I really uh, come the winter in the city because you know it's a it's a mess here. I always go to my Tim's and they are brutal to walk in. I don't even really remember what they were. My Tim's are so old now that I don't really remember what they felt like at the very beginning. But I wouldn't ever use the word comfortable. And now I, I legit took those. <laughs> I have to get another pair of game days to put in the shoes that I play um, uh, basketball in because I refuse to take them out of my Tim's. It's genuinely comfortable. And I got those. Again, I've said this. But I've got heavy feet. I'm used to turning insoles 
into garbage inside my shoe that I end up having to pick out over time. These things are unscathed. I don't know what they're made of, but they're very comfortable. It feels like it's like, it feels like there's an arch to the insole that I was just, I got to be honest. I was just getting them before this show started to just support you. I've yeah. been such a fan of your content, and what you've done online for so long. I just wanted to support you. So I got them knowing literally nothing about them. And now I put them in my shoe and I go, God damn, this is comfortable. Yeah, man. That's, that's exact. That's, that's exactly what you're, you're the perfect uh, use case there, you know, trying them out for one reason, deciding to use them in something else, realizing it, it, it's a game changer. So totally appreciate the support. It's been a, it's been a fun journey over the last 14 months, seeing athletes, everyday consumers, um, you know, recreational athletes, professional athletes, NBA teams, all of it, um, dive into what we're doing and we're hoping to grow, grow this and build a juggernaut. Uh, you represent, you work with Dame, you work with DeRozan. Who is your favorite of those guys? Do you have the guts? Do you, Nate Jones, have the guts to answer which one of the guys you work with is your favorite player? DeMar, I think I can, I think I can, um, you know, split the middle on this, right? Like DeMar is fun because I've worked with him since, uh, he basically tracked when I started my career, right? So, um, I, we both are 14 years in the game. So I've, I've seen him as a rookie. He's seen me as a rookie and we've evolved from, from that to where we're at now. And then, right. uh, Dame, I've worked with his, him his entire career, but the fun, the, the great thing with him is, I got to see him, you know, DeMar obviously was high school American, went to USC, you know, like you knew he, he knew he was going to be an NBA player at an earlier age. Dame, right. I met him when he was just a, a guy at Weber State that people didn't know about yet. And he was asking me for Twitter followers. He's like, hey, man, go hook me up with some Twitter followers. I was like, uh, I think in about three months, you're going to have plenty of Twitter followers, buddy. So, um, and they're, bo they're both great dudes, family-oriented, um, professional, take the game seriously, really love the game, put the yeah. work into it. When they lose, you know, it, it hurts them. It's hard for them to shake it to just like – act like it doesn't matter. You know, we talk about people that think the regular season doesn't matter. Look how many games go and check how often DeMar DeRozan's been uh, load managed. Go go check how often Damian Lillard's been load managed. And these are guys that play a lot of minutes. So that pure love of the game is um, you know, something that I connect with cuz that's that's how I feel about the game. That's how I treat the NBA. Um, you know, I was watching Dame have his incredible performance against Denver in the playoffs a couple years ago. And DeMar FaceTimes me right in the middle of it. Like, <laughs> because he, he knows I'm watching it. He's watching it. We're yeah. going crazy oh. because it's just, that's, that's how it is. And, and um, it's been fun. It's been fun to, to see these guys evolve and become the men that they are and the leaders that they are. And um, you know, being able to have play a small role in um, helping these guys achieve their dreams and take care of their families is is always rewarding. What's your favorite thing about Dame that that we don't know? Is there something about him that you love that the rest of us laymen don't hmm. know because we don't work with him? Uh, I think the thing that I love about Dame is that he is just such a regular dude like this. I mean, maybe people understand this. I, 
I'm not sure if people understand why he operates the way that he does in the league, but it's still the NBA is still a fish out of fish out of water story for him, even 11 seasons in mm. because he didn't go through mm. the I always tell him the best thing that ever happened to right. him was not being a child star. He, you know, three right. three star athlete ends up going to Weber State, um, you know, so he he wasn't told he was going to be, he, you know, he had a belief in himself that he be, could possibly be, one day become an NBA player. But there were no one there was no one in the outside world the broader media influencers, all of that stuff telling him from a young age that he was going to be an NBA player. And he didn't have the hanger ons on him that were attaching themselves to, you know, this investment that's going to pay off long-term. So he just got to be a regular person and grow into a man. Um, so, you know, that's, I think that's the the thing that I enjoy most about him is that he just likes, he wants to live a regular life, regular family existence. And, you know, being famous is not super important to him at all. It's amazing. Uh, Nate, before we dive into our moment, let's table set. What is your favorite sport, your favorite team, and your favorite athlete of all time? My favorite sport would be the NBA. My favorite athlete is Magic Johnson. It's the reason I love the NBA. It's the reason I love basketball. It's the reason I started playing basketball. The reason I started watching basketball. The reason that I'm in the business of basketball all tracks back to Magic Johnson. And, you know, the, uh, all great things need a, a a killer partner, and when you're talking about that peanut butter and jelly type partnership with Magic Johnson, I think of Shaq Hearn, who is not an athlete, but if you grew up in Los Angeles watching the Lakers, uh, the catalyst and the storyteller that got you connected to the Lakers and loving basketball was Shaq. Mm-hmm. So you combine Shaq Hearn's play by play and love of the game and the way he's able to what he called his words eye view. Um, describe that game to you and add it with Magic Johnson, one of the most electrifying, uh, you know, players of all time that just he played with joy. You know, they talk about Steph Curry, that you, you can see that joy that comes yeah. through him. And it's that high level competitiveness, somebody that wants to, you know, uh, rip your heart out. But at the same time, they just you can feel that love like coming through there. The, the, the competitiveness and the love play hand in hand off of each other. So that was it for me. I don't have a favorite team anymore. <laughs> My favorite team growing up was the Lakers, obviously. Um, but, uh, <laughs> yeah. Um, and the funny thing is online, I am considered a, there's a lot of people that think I'm a Laker hater now just yeah. because I'm not like yes. pro, you know, if you're a Laker fan, you're, you know, you're ride or die. You never say anything. Don't ever go against the family kind of thing. Right. <laughs> um, but right. I, so I, you know, I first started out with, uh, with the Goodwins. Uh, you know, I started probably towards the end of the 2008 season and, uh, first big, real big project I started working on Dwight Howard in 2008 playoffs. Guess who they play in the finals, the Los Angeles Lakers, right? Excuse me, 2009 season. So Dwight Howard in the 2009 playoffs and they play the Lakers in the 2009 finals and, you know, here, here we go. <laughs> Your choices, <laughs> the choices on the table. <laughs> Are you going to be still openly rooting for the Lakers while, you know, the top client of the firm <laughs> is playing for their opponents? <laughs> no. So, you know, I, I it went out the window there. I was pulling for Orlando. I went to all five finals games. It was a hell of an experience and kind of like that uh, was really the, the real start of my career and, and uh, the end of my Laker fandom. 
Sorry to say. <laughs> uh, we're just gonna we're just gonna move forward with uh, the idea that you are still a Lakers fan, uh, a deep Lakers fan. We hey, appreciate deep. that about you, Nate. Thanks so much. <laughs> I'm a, I'm a, I'm I'm a I, I'm a Laker fan from Magic all the way through the you know most of the Kobe era, but after that, it's you know it's tough. It's a tough call. Uh, Magic is the same. Uh, Magic is my favorite player of all time, and he's I I have said before he's the reason I'm in this business, which sounds stupid, but I have two pictures up in my office. I have a picture of Magic Johnson. And I have a picture of Rick Rubin. Those are the two greatest producers I've ever watched. Yeah. Uh, do their work. Um, and so Magic Johnson is sort of part of the reason why uh, I'm in my business and and part of the reason in a strange way why uh, I'm doing this show now. So I appreciate you picking this moment. I can't wait to get into it and talk about it to do that, to decide whether Magic's comeback in 96 makes the first ballot Hall of Fame. We have to go through our first ballot Hall of Fame credentials. Those are the categories by which we judge every moment. The first credential analytics the stats the numbers behind this moment there's a bunch of them let me i'm gonna go through nate feel free to jump in wherever you'd like yes sir give me your opinion uh the first number here 36 36 years old magic was 36 at the time which no longer seems insane because of fucking lebron uh (laughs) he's completely skewing everything he's ruining old achievements like this by being old and so great uh but if you think 36 for LeBron would have been the year after the bubble. So, you know, in the, the, towards the back end of his career, maybe presumably LeBron will stop. Uh, Larry Bird retired at 35. Magic was away from the game for four and a half years at that time. Uh, he retired 91 to after testing HIV positive and then three and a half years after his first comeback ended. So he announced that he was, HIV positive. He leaves. He has to leave. No one has any idea what's going on. He has to leave. He tries to come back one time. It does not work out for him. He retires again. He drops out. So he's already come back. The The presumption was, and t- tell me if I'm wrong here, Nate, as a kid, his career was long over at this point. I assumed he was well since done. What were your thoughts on him? Yeah, I mean that's what you never thought Magic was coming back. I mean he, I was, I mean I was so angry for years because I thought he, he, you know, he had his his opportunity to come back taken away from him. Um, I still remember, you know, the Lakers used to have training camp in in Hawaii. So, like you said, November ninety one, he retires. He ta- he plays in the All Star game for the ninety one All Star game in in uh, excuse me in the ninety two All Star game in Orlando for the ninety one ninety two season wins MVP, plays in the USA basketball for the dream team, has a great time. You know, right. he's told his stories about him and Michael Jordan battling for the crown, um, you know, in their scrimmages and things like that. <laughs> and I think that set him up to think, okay, I can come back next year. You know, the doctors say this is okay. I'm going to do it. I'm going to go out on my, on my own terms. And the Lakers have training camp in the, um, you know, fall, winter of, of uh, you know, basically October of, of uh 1992 uh bulls have just bulls have won two in a row they've got all their guys they got you know james worthy still you know end of his career byron scott ac green sam perkins is there all this stuff they they're ready to go i remember they were showing magic and byron scott working out ahead of time lifting weights and magic looks great looks great in the preseason and then he gets cut 
and you know Gary Vitti without hesitation Gary Vitti is a you know uh, famous uh, Lakers trainer that was there through through Showtime and um, and the Kobe era and he without hesitation he goes over to it. Magic treats the cut no problem but at this time you know we're still ignorant about HIV and it became a controversy and reporters started asking players about it and the ignorance around that players had at the time started to pour out and uh, magic felt the pressure from it and, and decided to retire. And we thought that was the end of it. That was his career. He was never going to yep. see him again. Yep. And he was just trying to get his feel of basketball all over the world. So, you know, outside the NBA, I think he was playing in the CBA on a traveling team on the Harlem Globetrotters a European team. You could tell this dude just loved basketball and wanted to get out there. So it was, it was, um, it was tough. And it, you know, I will also say you really thought magic was retired when he became a coach for a little bit. He became the Lakers right. interim coach yes. in at the end of the 93, 94 season. So the, you know, once you, you never usually see a, a head coach eventually come back to the NBA <laughs> as a player. Uh, so we, we thought it was done. So that, I think that was the most amazing thing about his comeback is that it had, he basically didn't play an NBA regular season game f- from 91 all the way until 96. Like, it's like, it's taking five years off and still being a good player late in your career. That's so crazy to think about. Uh, Andrew Ungvari, the famous at Drew Unga on Twitter wrote, I think it's safe to say we'll never see a player come out of retirement two years after he coached a team. I didn't remember that. You knew it. Magic retires. Uh, he retires a second time, goes and becomes the coach of the Lakers. Uh, he's 5'11". That's his record as the head coach of the Lakers. Stops coaching the Lakers, becomes a part owner of the Lakers. He buys 5% from the Bus family. And all of that happens before this 96 comeback, which I had sort of forgotten that timeline. That's fascinating to think about. Player goes, retires, turns, becomes the coach, becomes an owner, and then returns again and becomes a player. That's fascinating. I can't believe he did it. Completely fascinating trajectory. Completely fascinating trajectory. What, what, did, what, did, what did Kid Nate think when the HIV announcement happens? Oh, man. I, you know, I knew as much as... I've always been a positive thinker with with things like that, but I knew as much about HIV as, you know, those play, those ignorant players at the time. I thought, you know, there's a good chance right. he might not survive, right? right? Um, totally. And to to have him at the stage that he's in now, as you know, think about it, 30 years, over 30 years that he's, you know, uh, the advancements that we've had and he's still going strong is, is unbelievable unbelievable when i was i don't remember what grade i was in but i remember the day it happened i had an assignment for school i had to make a collage out of like pictures from magazines and for everyone listening magazines used to be sold they were like um color picture <laughs> newspapers <laughs> no and so i'm cutting pictures out of a magazine i'm making a collage and the center of my collage was magic johnson so the the news drops. I go to school, and we had to we had to go up in front of the class and tell everybody about our collage. And Nate, I started crying in school because I presumed he was going to die within months. Not not like oh he's going to die at some point. I'm think at the time, and again I didn't know anything. I was a stupid kid. But the the prevailing 
thought was that this guy is not going to last long at all. Yeah, I mean, it's uh, it, the equivalent is if you know Steph Curry, Steph Curry announced he had a deadly disease like tomorrow, right? And how right. Your kids how kids would react to that, like, and you know, a disease that we thought would had a you know death sentence attached to it. Um, yeah, I mean, because at the time we're looking at we're looking at HIV like it's pancreatic cancer, you know, like you're. Yes. You know, this is the likelihood of you surviving. A matter of time. A matter of time. Right. Um, so, uh, yeah, it was it was a tough pill that you know I was I was in fifth grade. Um, it, it was a it's, it was a, a tough pill to swallow. Um, and you know the the funny thing is, kids my age, even though this was always a Laker town, which is so funny to see the the evolution of the Lakers and what the Lakers have become like, cause Laker fandom has taken it almost like a, it's almost like a cult now. Right. But when I was a kid, Michael Jordan was taken off, really taken off and they beat the bulls and the, the, the bulls beat the Lakers in the finals. I remember kids in my elementary school that were pulling for Michael Jordan over magic Johnson, which to me was blasphemous, right? Like <laughs> I grew up watching magic and I love magic and I wasn't going after the shiny new thing. Yeah, man. I mean, all, all anyone that was a kid like me that you know was influenced by magic was um, was completely thrown off and and distraught over that. You, you you mentioned chick as well early on, and that's something when I started this show, I you know I was like, oh, we can do a show about the great moments in sports, and I didn't really realize until I started doing this how much these moments are completely crafted by the announcers and completely. for you to grow up under chick hearn must have been so great and special and i'm sort of jealous oh yeah it's completely special it's you it sets the table for everything you know the 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 i mean it's it's kind of like um you think it's just about the players but there's all of these you know if the if the nba is a broadway production there's all of these components that are involved, right? There's the the players, the coaches, the uniforms, the lighting, the yes. TV, the television production, the crowd. Remember how yep. they're like, yep. why aren't people watching the bubble? They're not watching the bubble because there's no crowd. The crowd is is right. a, a character. A, the, the crowd is a character in this uh, production. And it, you're absolutely with, right. With, without the crowd, it doesn't have that feel. So the so having the right announcer. I mean, I have I've had a league pass for, you know, a decade plus and I know most of the announcers now and depending on what team is playing, I'm like, oh, well, I'm not listening to that announcer because they give you the option between which, you know, which teams right. you want to select. Yeah, yeah, and yeah. Because yeah. it's all about finding that right experience. I always like I always say the best production from what I see on League Pass, uh, Madison Square Garden, New York Knicks have they have the best game. They have the best game production dear right now. God damn. And then their then their television production is awesome. They're both super top notch. Um, so you know it, it it impacts everything. So having that having that play by play guy, sure. having someone that knows what they're talking about, having someone that isn't just a pure homer. Even though Shik Hearn was mm-hmm. a pure Lakers fan, <laughs> Laker everything, he held them to account. Um, and there's, there's also things that don't necessarily exist today just because of, you know, everything is about business at this stage, but, uh, Chick Hearn used to interview not only Laker players, but road stars at halftime. Like he basically before the game, he would have a sit down conversation with whatever player he wanted to talk to. And then they would air that at halftime of the game. 
and it would be amazing. That's how I, that's how I learned about all the other stars across the league right. um, before right. Inside Stuff started. Right, like that's how I would get to know all the other all the other stars because you basically for League Pass and before games aired as often as they did on national television, you basically got those CBS and then NBC national games, and then you got a few TNT mm-hmm. TBS games. If you were lucky enough to have cable, you had. You know, WGN, which got Chicago Bulls uh, games and and TBS, which you, you had some Atlanta Hawks games, but that was it, you know, and Schick was just a window into that world. And he described and, you know, marketed the game through his words, I view in a way that was just very sticky. You know, like he knew how to he knew how to market the game. We say slam dunk to this day because of the slam dunk That's contest. Right. It's what it is the announcers uh call out how far away a shot is oh my gosh damian lillard just took a 35 footer right like announcers weren't doing that before and a lot of them you know just picked up on the cadence and the terms and all that stuff that he Mm -hmm. that he put out there so he kind of set the table for all of it really is a legend uh back to our stats back to our analytics uh lakers go 22 and 10 after magic's return including a six game win streak two four game win streaks uh, Magic and the Lakers snap Orlando's 40-game home winning streak. I found that stat in Nate Jones's Twitter mm-hmm. feed. Uh, Magic started nine games, eight double-doubles, one triple-double, almost 30 minutes per game, 14.6 points per game on 46, 38, and 85% shooting splits, 5.7 boards per game, 6.9 assists per game, 0.8 steals, 0.4 blocks, 3.2 turnovers per game, eh. Uh, over the four-game playoff series uh, that they had against Houston, which the Lakers lost 3-1, almost 34 minutes a game, 15.3 points per game, 38, 33, and 85. So the shooting goes down a little bit. Uh, eight, eight and a half boards, six and a half assists uh, through that playoff series. He does reach 10,000 assists in this comeback. At the time, only two players had done that. Now it's six players total who've done it. Uh, your thoughts on on how he played in his comeback? What, what those stats tell you? Oh man, Magic played fantastic from the jump. And and the the tough thing for Magic was he was trying to balance um, keeping himself healthy. Right, you haven't played in mm-hmm. however long. You know, there's a, a potential that you know you're going to have all kinds of nagging, especially soft tissue stuff. Right. Um, so I, I think he had right. a calf issue that he was dealing with throughout that time. Um, mm-hmm. Coming in as an mm-hmm. old head on a team that was all young guys. So they had this era right. that was called the Lake Show era, um, which had uh, was led by Nick Van Exel. Nick's following me on Twitter, so shout out to Nick, <laughs> shout out to Nick if he listens to this. But Nick Van Exel really like kind of changed the game for the Lakers uh, with that Lake Show new generation because they were kind of floundering after Magic Johnson's abrupt retirement and, you know, having a little bit of the uh, – the leftovers from the Showtime era in terms of James Worthy, AC, um, Byron Scott, and then they transition over to these younger guys led by Nick Van Exel, uh, uh, Cedric Sabalas, who they had traded uh, a year or probably the summer of, of 94. They had traded for from the Suns, traded a first-round pick for him. Yeah, so it was just a young, fun team in Magic. And they had won uh, a playoff series the year before. They had a really good uh, run beat uh, upset the Seattle Sonics um Sean Kemp Gary Payton Sonics uh in the first round um and then ran into you know a juggernaut with the the San Antonio Spurs um in the next round they got but they still got you know a win out of it and and held their own um 
but they were struggling when uh, Magic came in that next year. So I believe they were right around 500, maybe a couple of games over 500 when when Magic uh, suited up for them that year. And then adding him to the mix, like adding a six man that just knew how to win and was just there to connect everybody, just helped them take off. This is basically exactly what they needed. Um, yeah, man, I, I think he was I think he was amazing. Fourteen and a half, uh, five and a half and almost seven as a six man off the bench. That I mean, good God, what NBA team wouldn't want that? Uh, in the first game back since 91 is against the Warriors. He's two rebounds shy of a triple double. Uh, that game, that first game back is a little, uh, some television numbers here, got a 4.4 Nielsen rating, uh, which was the highest late night regular season game on cable at that time. Uh, the highest rated game. This is just something else that I saw that I th- thought was a lot of fun. The highest rated early game that TNT had at that point was 5.1 and it was uh MJ's 55 in the garden which is yep. a lot of fun to think about. Um the, again I mentioned in his first game back 19 10 assists, 8 boards, 50% from the field and Cedric Sabalos who you mentioned had 33 on 15 of 18 shooting in Magic's first game back. Sabalos must have been like this is going to be great. And then it wasn't very soon, right? <laughs> yeah, man. I, and maybe this is something Nick can answer if he if he um, if he listens to this and actually wants to put it out there. I know it's you know bro code, so you're not gonna always you're not gonna talk about the stuff that happens internally with the team. <laughs> maybe that thirty years later, twenty five years later, they're willing to do it. Um, but yeah, uh, Cedric Zabalas just left the team with and didn't give anybody any heads up or anything like that, and went to Lake Havasu um arizona you know it's spring break capital <laughs> and people were worried they had no idea where he was at all of that so magic ends up starting and i remember they were they they were on a roll and they went up to seattle to play the sonics who were the the number one team in the west that year they ended up going to the finals against against the chicago bulls that year um so that was a big game and he just he basically bailed out on his teammates and we, you know, the outside world has always assumed that it had to do something with magic and feeling like it was kind of like throwing things off. But maybe he had something going on in his personal life and just right. didn't handle it well. Right. Whatever That's it true. was, it was the first spark of controversy and mm. like bad vibes with the team, like something that was so good mm. and they're on a roll and they're, you know, people people are predicting they might go to the finals against the Bulls. And you've got this first tinge of that. Um, but yeah. It's amazing how any little thing, any little thing, whether it's a personal thing, uh, uh, you know, a teammate thing, any tiny little thing can just throw off chemistry, can throw off the energy, can throw off the momentum. That's just fascinating to think about. It really, for me, when I think about that stuff, it really makes me appreciate the teams that win the title even more. Uh, which in whatever year that all of the things had to fall right. All of the people had to stay on the same page. That's just so difficult to do. Uh, You mentioned Lake Havasu. I just want to say of all the spring break towns to me, Lake Havasu is the funniest one to hear. So I appreciate you bringing up Lake Havasu there. (laughs) Yeah. And it it makes sense though, because he had started his career in Phoenix. So like he probably had homies and whatever else that would, you know, so it, it, that connection there. Otherwise, it'd be the most random thing for him to, to go to in the middle of the NBA season. But yeah, especially when your I team do, is on your I'm team is think- on a roll. And it's like yeah. it wasn't like they were. It's not like the team was just like 
floundering and not doing well and everyone's you know not not soup from the outside isn't super happy about uh, what's happening to the team they were on an upward trajectory and then all of a sudden they're starting small forward just decides he's not gonna not gonna come to the team not gonna show so up not gonna tell anyone where he's at all of that um but yeah you know <laughs> i'm picturing i want this show to be the center of this rumor that when Cedric Sabalos left the team, went AWOL on the Lakers in 96, he was he did it because he was kept hanging out at Senior Frogs in Lake Havasu. Okay, here we go. <laughs> um, the second game back in Magic's comeback, the Bulls, the 72-10 and 10 Bulls are on an 18-game win streak, beat the Lakers handily. Uh, the Lakers beat the Jazz in game three. Good team there. Magic has a team-high 21 points to go along with seven boards and six assists. He's 15 of 18 from the free-throw line that game. He goes 16-12-9 and nine in game four over Den- win over Denver, 18-9-8 and eight in a win over the Nets. Magic has 30 on 10 of 15, shooting 9 of 10 from the free-throw line, 11 boards, eight assists, two steals, two blocks against the Mavs, J- uh, Jason Kidd and Toledo's finest, Jimmy Jackson's Mavs. Uh, so 28 8 and 5 on 75 percent shooting against the hornets 27 9 and 9 against the heat 16 10 and 9 against uh the hawks 26 8 and 4 against the Cavs. 26 7 and 5 against the rockets and again as the sixth man coming off the bench who's 36 hasn't played in four and a half years I mean, just amazing to think about him doing all those things in a different era of the game it's just really unique man he was incredible and the 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 awesome thing about you reading off the list of teams because i watched all those games is most of those teams were playoff teams with good players you know the mavs weren't good um but most of the rest of the teams that you're you were listing off were you know good to marginally good teams i mean he's playing i mean he's matched up against carl malone in the utah game and Mm -hmm. (laughs) like 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 that's this isn't some chump. This is like, you know, the guy that's going to win two MVPs, in, you know, in future years. Like all first team, all NBA level, USA basketball, dream teamer, all of those things. So, yeah, man, it was, it was super, super impressive. You mentioned it already. And as I move to the next credential, it's the eye test. What did you see in this footage that might uh, give it that little extra pop and put this thing in the hall? My. my eye test was that he's playing out of position he's not just coming back after a long break he's not just and again you know this is uh, this doesn't really need to be mentioned but i feel like i should do it here he's also playing under the specter of like what if something does go wrong like he's got this virus that still at this time no one's under any sort of belief that everything's going to be totally fine even in 96 nobody's like it's all going to be great this is no problem this guy's going to be around in 2023 no problem he's still playing under the specter of like what if i come back and there is some sort of negative effect what if the medicine it doesn't do what if the change in my habits or what if it it's like he's playing under that specter the entire time. And then he also has to change position. He's guarding Carl Malone. He's guarding dudes in the post. He's having to play a different way, not starting. It just everything that could be different was different. New era, different teammates, younger guys, everything is different. And he's still producing these incredible numbers. It's just amazing. Magic Johnson. Fantastic. Yep. Yeah, man, the eye test, the eye test is just he his feel for the game just is I think to this day he would always he'd probably yeah. be super slow, 
Um, but I know he lifts weights every day at five in the morning, so he's in he's in good shape. Uh, but if he was on the court, he'd be the best passer on the floor right now. You know, maybe if he's on an NBA court, maybe LeBron, Luca, and Jokic could play make better than him. But outside of that, he still has this natural talent, feel for the game, court vision. And that's what the Lakers, you know, he almost was like connecting them together, just made it easier for them to mm-hmm. to play together when he would come on the floor because he's just the smartest guy out there. So, um, yeah, man, it 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 was an it it was it was really really interesting to see. Um, but yeah, I think that I think You're the really- eye test says that uh, the, the eye test says that Magic um, was doing, was a one of a kind player to be able to miss five years and come back. And basically not miss a beat other than his body getting a little bit bigger and him slowing down a little bit. But he still was like impactful as I don't know what out there. You're you're exactly right. You you watch the you watch the highlights from this comeback. And, and if you haven't seen them in a while, they'll be on the Instagram at first ballot HOF and on Twitter uh, at first ballot pod. You, you watch some of these plays and it's a little bit slower. And he's a little bit bigger and the teammates are different and it's not him, you know, as much sort of in the open court, bringing the ball down on a fast break, but watching him do all those magic Johnson things, the strange passes, the perfect timing, hooking it under a defender's arm. Like he just does all those magic Johnson things. They're still there. The beauty of his game is still there. It's really uh, fascinating. And you mentioned earlier, and I wanted to touch on this as well, the sort of the sheer force of spirit that magic had that you see in these 96 highlights sort of imbuing this team and that you compared to Steph Curry for some reason you going imagine if Steph Curry announced tomorrow that he had a deadly disease that hits home that makes me go you're right god I like I like exhale you're right there's something heavy about that and I think it's in I mean obviously it's would that would be a very sad thing so that's what makes it heavy but there they both have that sort of like joy that spirit that seems to affect everyone they're playing with in damn near every single game that is a beautiful thing and something that i appreciated when i was a kid watching magic it's something i appreciate with steph now and it's certainly something that i appreciated in 96 when magic came back yeah it's it's interesting when you like when you think of magic in basketball obviously magic had the you know the issue with with uh, Paul uh, Westhead, after you know the first right. Laker coach under his his era, um, and you know that he got some backlash in the media for that, and you know he got some backlash for '84, tra- you know Tragic Johnson. But outside of that, you don't. And when you think of Magic Johnson, all you think is happy moments, you know, g- good yep. times, like Showtime. That's what you think. You don't think of anything like negative. It's just like. Steph, when you think of Steph and play, him playing basketball, is usually not contra- – there's no controversy surrounding him. It's just good vibes, good times. That's why people mm-hmm. tune in to watch the Warriors play. Um, and it's kind of the same thing with, with, with the Lakers and Magic in that era. And then to have that kind of cloud come overhead on something that you only thought of in a positive light for all this time, um, it's kind of a reality check. Uh, Nate, before we, before we move on, can I ask you a couple questions about today's NBA? Yeah, of course. What's the crazier NBA trajectory? Like from the time they entered the league until now, what's the crazier NBA career trajectory? Ben Simmons or Markel Fultz? Which one is weirder? Uh, Ben, for sure. 
Ben looked like he was second coming of Magic Johnson his rookie year. Like he had the potential sure. to be that. Like his rookie year was electric. Like Markel just d- didn't, you know, he had issues from the time he got into the league. Um, mm. Ben, Ben is just like that rookie year. I remember when they had, they, Joel Embiid was out for a little bit and they just had a spread offense around him and they were getting, they were getting rebounds, getting stops and getting out and running. And it was so much for you. If, if you have a chance, just look up Ben Simmons rookie year highlights. I, I don't bring it up to make fun of him. Uh, I actually like these stories. Like I like, and again, I don't know what's going on with Markel Fultz, but it, it feels like the fulcrum here was him changing his jump shot and then his career changes. And what's he doing now? Is he, who's he play? I don't even know. Is he still with the magic? I don't even know. He like, he came back and I think about Ben Simmons and, and again, you just walked through the trajectory. It's crazy to think about for some reason for me, I find myself way more attached to those guys than I would have ever been other for any other reason. Like if you don't play for the Lakers, I don't really care, but those two dudes, I now like care for them and I want them to do better because the issues that they have made them human where everyone else is inhuman. Like when LeBron James, when the book on LeBron was that he was preternaturally fantastic and it was, there was destined to go off and be this legend when he, you know, wasn't taking late game shots and passing out. And like the book was that he wasn't clutch. Like when that was all happening, I loved it in part because it meant maybe the Lakers would have a better chance at winning the title, but more so because I looked at him and go, that makes that dude human. Yeah. And now of course LeBron goes off and wins all these titles and he's fantastic. And now I go, now you're now you and I are nothing alike, LeBron. <laughs> but yeah. I look at Ben Simmons and Markel Fultz and I just go, My God, uh, what what insane stories and it makes me really pull for them. So I, I wish both of them the best. I hope they have what was uh, the, long what was careers the, and I hope that they're happy. What was the baseball pitcher's name that that just had that stroke like he couldn't pitch anymore? Was it Rick Ankiel? Oh yeah. Rick Ankiel, that's right. It, like he and he, I think he just started to become a hit. Like he started to become a position player for, or tried to become a position player right. after that. Like he That's just right. went from yeah, like went, trajectory of I'm going to be a Cy Young, multiple Cy Young mm-hmm. winning pitcher to all of a sudden I can't throw. It's it, it's it's I, like I mind boggling like- when you see things like that. I they those dudes I'm sure lose sleep over those types of changes. I hope they know if Rick Ankiel's if Rick Ankiel's listening to this. I think of you as a human being. You're a, that dude is a human being, and the, those things happen to lots of people. And man, it's it's uh, it's sad to watch. I'm sad for them, but I don't know. I I, I think it's it just makes them just it's, completely it, and utterly human, which is a lovely thing. I agree. It's only not sad when it's uh, something that's not their profession. It's just recreation because we can all make fun of Charles Barkley's golf swing who went from like (laughs) (laughs) he he went from having like a completely normal golf swing to something (laughs) happened one day where now he has the yips with a golf swing and it's like what happened that he has a hitch in his golf swing now like that and there's it's just it's like a glitch in the matrix there's nothing he can do no no one can help him get his golf swing back to what it was before isn't that fascinating it looks it honestly looks like there's something broken in his body when he swings a golf club like you you couldn't 
you couldn't make a fake golf swing look worse than what he does. And it's just something that happened in his brain and it'll never be normal. And he's completely fine about it, which is just lovely and lets us laugh at it, which is fantastic. Here's my follow-up to the crazier NBA trajectory. Ben Simmons crazier than Markel Fultz. What's the crazier NBA trajectory, Ben Simmons or LeBron James? <laughs> mm, I mean, LeBron has met every single expectation you know, and, and gone way beyond that, which is just like, I think, you know, everyone can say now, cause you know, I was uh, 20, uh, 22 years old when he got drafted. And um, I remember people saying that he, you know, has potential to be one of the greats. He could be the greatest of all time. He could do whatever, but no one knew for sure. There wasn't a certainty. Yeah. He still had to go out there and make it happen and to make it happen and dominate out the gate like the way that he has and continued excellence and greatness and continue to care about the game in that way is that, I mean, it's really, they say once in a generation, he truly is once in a generation. We've seen other players fall off before. Um, so maybe maybe LeBron is the crazier trajectory, you know, in, instead of the guy that fell so off because nice. we've seen players, you know, have you know things happen that have have caused their their careers to crater uh the next credentials are ear test what did you hear let me play you a couple of sound bites this is the top of the show magic's first games on tnt bob neal's on the mic here's the top of this show let's listen to it together it was the team of the 80s magic johnson Kareem Abdul-Jabbar, Orlando Woolridge, and Showtime. What? <laughs> what? Orlando Woolridge and Showtime? Bob Neal? <laughs> the team of the 80s. Orlando Woolridge? I think he just played, what, like 90 or 91 with the Lakers? Isn't that – or was it the late 80s too? Uh, Yeah. He, he, it, was the, it was the late 80s he played with them. But Orlando was <laughs> – you got to remember that that I think at that time that was a big pickup for them. So that's probably why whenever they were talking about he's mentioned it. All right, Bob. Yeah, I'm going to give you. I'm going to give them a break there. What's uh What's Bob Neal's origin in terms? Because they always usually start out with local markets. I know uh, Orlando spent a lot of time in Chicago, so I don't, I'm wondering if Bob Neal had any connection to the Bulls at all. Because maybe that would be the reason that he <laughs> mentioned. You know, they mention players they have relationships with, connections to right. all of that stuff. Yes. Yeah. I'm going to give Bob dispensation on that as long as he nails when Magic Johnson comes into the game. Let's listen to that. Okay. And now the crowd on their feet. The warm-ups are coming off. And Magic Johnson returns to the NBA after the free throws. Oh, boy. I, 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 I Listen, I... <laughs> Not a bad call. I'm fine with it. I actually like Bob Neal's voice. It's crazy. It's never like happened. Maybe got swept up in that. I just don't think either of those calls, either that intro or this, I, I don't think was perfect for the moment. But whatever. Bob, Listen, Bob, I'll, I'll, Bob I'll Neal feels very Mayberry, right? And the NBA <laughs> yeah, at that yeah, stage yeah. had gone like <laughs> – like obviously Bob Costas and uh, Bob Costas, excuse me, uh, Marv Albert was um, very much, a, you know, an older uh, broadcaster, but he had a mm -hmm. flair. There was a flair to him. So, Matt, you know, yes. he, he, he had yeah. that, 
you know, I don't know if it's the New York City in him or what, but he had that flair for the dramatic, and having him call that would have been would have been great. Um, I, you know, I, I, I think of Mike Breen now and Mike Breen definitely has that, that flair. So, I don't know, maybe it's something about these Knicks yes. broadcasters going to the, to the national stage, but, um, but yeah, man, God bless the it. Knicks broadcasters that go national. Fantastic. Uh, the next credentials are test of time. It's when we compare this moment against other moments like it. This is kind of a one-on-one comeback here. There's, there's, you know, I went poking around the internet, I didn't know this. Andre, 1995, Agassiz ranked number one in the world. Mm-hmm. Married to Brooke Shields. Uh, 97 is the bottom of his career. He ends up snorting crystal meth. Did you know that Andre Agassiz did crystal meth? I did not know that part. And the funny thing is, Andre Agassiz, <laughs> I was not a Sampras guy. I thought he was too, when I was a kid, I thought he was too buttoned up. I loved Andre, Andre Agassiz's flair. Right. And, uh, but I didn't of know course. that. I knew about Brooke Shields. And then I remember he had like he was when he was younger in the like early 90s to mid 90s. Like it was kind of like he was like a little bit of a disappointment. And then he shaved his head. Remember, mm-hmm. he he had that moment where all his hair yes. got. That's he, right. he was like, that's right. He, he was like, <laughs> you know, uh, older, 30 something Andre Agassi. And he started to have a comeback and started to be really good and started to That's have right. some battles with Sampras. So I don't know if it was like the, the crystal right. meth was the was the follow up was the, <laughs> it was the catalyst for the fall off and he came back in another and then he had, I think he ended up marrying um, Steffi Graf. So I, I wonder right. if they've got I wonder if they've got some crazy tennis kids um, somewhere. Gotta they gotta. You're, you're absolutely right. Uh, Crystal Meth in 96, cannot, cannot believe that. Ends up coming back, shaves his head, 2002, reaches world number two in five years after doing Crystal Meth. Yeah. That's wild. That's a pretty good comeback. Um, I'm more of a, just to, as we're talking about tennis players, I am a bit more of a Michael Chang guy. Oh, I remember Michael but Chang. But we'll keep moving. Uh, Monica Seles, 91, number one in the world. Uh, 93, she's even better. And then she gets stabbed in the back. Ridiculous. Leaves tennis for two years and then comes back. 95 wins the Canadian Open. 96 wins the Australian Open. Wins a major uh, of what? Three years after she gets stabbed in the back. That's a, I don't mean to equate, by the by. I don't mean to equate getting HIV and having to leave for that to getting stabbed in the back or doing crystal meth. I'm just looking for wild-ass comebacks here to compare this to. That that was absolutely. I mean, I I still feel for her. Like that just is. I mean, Same. just to have a just to be able to have to play an event in an open space after you've already. What do you have to Ugh. overcome to say, all right? Oh my! Some God. random crazy fan just ran out here and tried to kill. You know, you in your mind, you're like, this person Ugh. probably tried to kill me, stab me for sure. And now I'm gonna come back and play at this high. I have to, you know, you know, tennis players they have to be so, so locked in to be out there for the amount of time that they are playing. I wonder where, is it, have they, anyone done a documentary on Monica Sellis? I wonder where she's at today. I was just going to say, I was just going to say, what's crazy to me is that someone listening to this goes, some lady got stabbed in the back during it. Like th- that, 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 that gets underreported, under talked about. It's like someone running on the tennis court uh, last year and stabbing Serena Williams. <laughs> That's what it right. would be like. Like it's totally. crazy. Number it's one tennis player in the world. Crazy to think about. Crazy to think about. Stabbed in the middle of a match. 
Muhammad Ali leaves during the height of his career because he won't go uh, to Vietnam. George Foreman has 20 years between capturing heavyweight titles. That's the craziest That's absolutely one. insane. That's oh, my God. 20 one. years between heavyweight championships of the world? That's nuts. I was, I was gonna say that that's 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 even crazier than him naming all his kids after him. <laughs> he's good. He's it's, got it's, he's got he's got like ten varieties of George, of George, and I'm pretty sure that his <laughs> his daughters are named like Georgia and Georgina and all of. You got to look right. that up, but I'm pretty I'm pretty sure he's done that. And, and it might even be crazier than exactly having right. the Foreman Grill take off and become the thing that he probably really made most this. of his money. Most of his money from totally. I was gonna say the same fucking thing. How about him having a fucking eponymously named uh, grill that sold? Uh, I mean, I had one in college. My God, the George Foreman Grill, fantastic. Uh, Nate, I have a couple more questions I want to ask you about um, being an agent and uh, your your job as an agent and representing players, uh, and then we'll dive back into our moment. Bob Myers, Rob Palinka. There's probably others who I just don't remember. Do you ever dream for a second and think about being an NBA executive at some point down the road? Justin Zanuck is another that in Utah who used to be an agent. There you go. Yeah, but um, I've, I've thought about it um, in the past, but I think my mind is like I, I think just from a, a team building perspective, it would be fun. But there's so much that goes on with being a GM and those guys don't get enough credit and how, how hard they work. NBA coaches and NBA GMs, everybody thinks that they can do it and that it's so easy and it's not. It's not. It's not easy. There's a lot of work that goes into it. Um, I'm more focused on being an entrepreneur at this stage. But maybe one day, maybe one day I can find my way in, or to, you know, I find an owner that gives me a shot. I mean, there's there's been there was a reporter that got a job as a eventually became an NBA GM. Yes. I don't know if you remember Khan from <laughs> from the Timberwolves. Obviously, yes. he's infamous now yes. because he passed on Steph Curry twice. But Johnny Flynn, right? Yeah. Um, but you know. May, never say never i want you to know that i'm willing to be your head of um scouting my my um twitter draft record is in black and white you can go you can go look for it it's stellar <laughs> okay um uh well i, Nate, I got a question for, end, I, got, you t- I got a question yeah, for you since you say you're so stellar with that okay what's a <laughs> hey, we because we, okay. we, we we don't want to hide we don't ever want to hide who's your like Okay, you pick this guy, and nobody saw him being what he is, and you got that right. And then who's the one where you thought you had it right, and you were so oh, that's wrong? Great question. Yeah, great question. Uh, I well, this I don't know how much of a stretch this is on nobody was saying this, but I was saying Zach Levine to the Lakers at seven. Which again, you know, it's like, where is his career at? What does that mean? Yeah. I just want to say that I was on Zach Levine at seven. I was like, to me, he could go seven or earlier than seven in that draft. And I feel like no one else was really saying that at the time. Uh, and then the guy I thought, and I mean, again, this is like, has gotten cloudy. But the first, and again, I obviously, I don't know anything about drafting dudes. <laughs> or what makes them good? Mm-hmm. I think I do. But I, I, I admit that I don't know anything. The first time I watched a Andrew Wiggins highlight reel, I legitimately thought, oh, this kid's going to be like a top three player in the league. Like, I wasn't thinking he'd be good the way he is now. He's a great role player, champion now, a career he should be proud of that he's building here. I I enjoy watching him play. But when I watched the first highlight reel that I saw of him, I was like, oh, that dude's going to be a top three player in the league. 
no doubt. Listen, the point is when you when you become a GM or when you become a GM, I want you to think very seriously about. Uh, yeah, I'm bringing on Neil as head of scouting. <laughs> what? Which current non Nate Jones, non Goodwin athlete do you love the marketing of and wish you had something to do with him? Uh, who do I love the marketing of right now? I mean, if we're gonna be honest, the one I'm the most impressed with is Boban. Like, I don't know if I'm like great no. answer. No, that's a lovely, that's a perfect answer. Please go. Yeah, the re- the reason I'm impressed by Boban is because he's a journeyman player that has no you know real impact on the court, and he's all over mm-hmm. the television. He's maximized mm-hmm. his opportunity, and 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 him being kind of a unique player and unique looking figure, and his height and all that stuff, and his personality. And now you turn on an NBA game, and he's kind of ubiquitous in these commercials. So that's the guy that I'm super <laughs> impressed with. Uh, what a great answer. Uh, what are summer free agency periods like for you? Because for me, they are a blast. I love rumors. <laughs> I can't get enough rumors. I don't care if it's half cooked. I don't care where it comes from. Just give me the rumors so I can think about it. But as an agent in in the business, what's it like for you during the summer and free agency? Yeah, I you know, at, within our firm, I really focus on all their off-the-court stuff. So it's not like I'm dealing with teams and negotiating and doing whatever. It's, right. I, I deal with all the brands. But, you know, the good ones where – the Goodwin agency is really like, you know, a family run agency, very small. And I'm on a group chat with the twins with Aaron and Eric Goodwin. And we, they, we share everything with each other, talk about different options, all that stuff. So I experience it through that. And then the players are, you know, that you're kind of close with, they ask your opinion on things. You know, what do you think about this? What about this option? What about whatever? So just there to kind of be, um, you know, a consultant for everybody. The next credential is Twitter fingers. Any great tweets from this moment? This was way before Twitter. Let's go through some of Nate Jones's best tweets. Just some tweets I want to ask you about. You wrote one of the greatest what ifs uh, is magic. If magic didn't retire and ended up with Barkley on the Lakers instead of the Suns, we got two plus years of Lakers bulls finals. What would, I don't remember this. I mean, I remember the rumors of Barkley to the Lakers, but I don't know what they would have had to give up to get Barkley what would have had to have happened um they probably would have had to give up like Sam Perkins um you know it probably would have been like their their front court Sam Perkins AC Green um you know draft picks yeah they had they had Eldon Campbell they had they had Vladi Divac like Laker fans kind of deride those guys but um they were valued like big men were valued Vladi obviously had a very mm-hmm you know, a productive, long and productive career, um, you know, getting a player that doesn't want to be there anymore. Um, look at, I mean, look at what, um, Phoenix ended up trading for Charles Barkley. They traded Hornacek, who was, you know, a, a, a borderline all-star Tim Perry. And I think Andrew Lang, I think that was the trade for mm-hmm. Charles Barkley, like one of the greatest mm-hmm. players of all time. So it's not like the Lakers wouldn't have had the stuff right. to to make a right. deal. Yeah. Um, Damn. Yeah. So I, th- I think it definitely would have been a possibility. And you put Magic and Chuck together. That's, I mean, you know, to give people context, because I think when, you know, t- time flows so, so quickly and <laughs> we, and we're always, we're always talking about who's the goat now and, Who's the, and we forget how great some of these guys were. 
you tweeted magic turned the, the Lakers entire season around when he returned in 96, the younger players couldn't handle him getting shine and trying to get them to play with a championship mentality. Still wish magic would have played with Shaq and Kobe would have been great with those guys. Is there, did magic leaving create cap space for Shaq? Again, I don't remember. Was there any, do, would he have lasted to play with Kobe and Shaq? Or is that just a dream of yours to see those guys together? The Shaq, so Shaq signs summer of 96. So the 96, 97 season is the first. Is that Shaq true? Kobe. Yes. Shaq. That, oh yeah, the, you're it, right. It was during the Olymp, it was during the Olympics in Atlanta that the free agency was happening. Like and summer of 96 right. is actually a special year. That's, that's the year that I really got into NBA business. Damn. Summer of 96 mm. was, they had a new CBA and pretty much every NBA star was a free agent. And that, that that's what's going down. So 96 happens. That's the summer that's the offseason after the Magic Johnson comeback with the Lakers. So if things go well, you probably have Magic come back. And Magic is the perfect power forward for Shaq. The perfect power forward, mm-hmm. right? Like, because he's just gonna, he's he's just a connector. He's gonna yeah, yeah, feed yeah. he Shaq's gonna get the easiest shots he's ever had in his life. When you talk about high low situations, you know, if, if Magic's getting at the high post. And you got to come, he's starting to get into position to try to go for his little hook shot. And you're coming over, it's a dunk every time. You come in double magic, he's throwing that perfect pass to Shaq every single time. I think he realized, like, oh man, it's time for me to step away. I got my feel for this. And, you know, I got to retire on my terms and that's it. But I just always wonder what it would have been like if he was actually able to be a bridge to to Shaq and Kobe, you know? Um, God, that would have been a blast. That would have been a blast. Uh, I, I really didn't remember that it was so close, but you're right. It was, it, uh, he was on the doorstep. Oh, God damn. Uh, you, you mentioned vibes. Uh, the ones that stick out to me, obviously as a Laker fan, 2009 to put to when you finally put like the right dudes around Kobe that are, that will play hard and, you know, do the things Kobe needs them to do, but also clearly let him sort of be who he is. I thought that chemistry was different and then those bubble lakers to anytime i see like clips of the bubble lakers i go it fills me with such joy to see the danny greens and the jared dudleys and and all of those dudes getting along and rondo and they they were playing football and they're hanging out and they're playing shuffleboard and all that stuff. And then all of the team, all of the Lakers team since that, it's completely devoid of that. It's as plain as day. And I don't know how anyone could disagree with me. Uh, (laughs) Vibes do really matter. It's uh, depressing. Here's Laker fan. Uh, What were your impressions of the bubble? You had guys there. What, what were your thoughts of the bubble? Are there things that you know about the bubble that I don't know because you worked with people that were there? No, I mean, for the most part, I think most of the stuff that, you know, everyone was covering it. There were so many reporters and stuff there. Um, You know, just people felt like they were, you know, doing a bid, you know, even though they're getting paid millions of dollars for it. They're just they're locked into a place and there's all these rules and restrictions and who can come in your room, where you can be getting tested every day. It's just it was a lot for those guys mentally, for sure. Uh, the, the, the next credential is the X factor. Everybody knows what an X factor is. Nate, do you have any X factors? We got to get back to this magic Johnson thing. Yeah. Any X factors that make this magic Johnson come back. Great. Uh, X factors, the X factors that make the magic Johnson come back. Great. Oh man. I'm trying to think. Um, do you I, have I any? think it's gotta be. Yeah, I do. I want to pitch you one. 
it's him playing with a virus that turned into a deadly disease. I, I don't, I don't want to make that like a, like comedy, but it's the truth. The X factor here is this man is still playing with a virus that still at this time turns into, and to, does to this day, if not handled properly, turns into a deadly disease that ravages your body. That's the X factor. Yeah. Good luck beating that. Yeah, I mean, that, that, that definitely makes it, that's what makes it special. And I think people, because the, the most amazing thing that people were focused on was the fact that he had taken that much time off. So that the HIV part of it was kind of in the background at that stage, especially because most people thought that magic would be gone within one or two years. Right. So then, you know, we're five For years sure. and he's, he's still there. So people weren't talking about the HIV part as much as I can't believe he's coming back after all this time off from the NBA and he looks good. Um, but yep. that part of it is absolutely insane. And to, it also shows how much the love of the game drove him. Mm-hmm. Right. Mm-hmm. Like, that's and how about, much, and how much his it. love of the game and how much the love his love of the game becomes the story like it it sort of makes you forget that he's playing with HIV yeah like it just it's i mean and it, and it's a tribute to who he is and his charisma that people now think about magic johnson i bet you there are there's like a 20 year old in this country that doesn't know that Magic Johnson is HIV positive. I just bet you, because you see Magic, you go, oh, the terrible tweets and the yeah. laugh and the hee hee and the the clip and the and you see the highlights and the nickname and like all and the in the in the what he's done in business. And you just go at Magic, ah, he's great. And you probably don't think about that because he's had HIV, his HIV levels have been undetectable for like 20 plus years of his run. It's just insane to think about. Yeah, yeah, 100%. He's just like, he's got a passion. He's a ultimate competitor. Uh, you know, love and passion seem to drive him in his life for the things that he 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 loves. And he's competitive about those things. And, they, you know, like I said, they're, they kind of play off of each other. And that's where it's at. Like when he decides he's going to attack something, he goes all in. If he wants to be a businessman, if he wants to be the greatest, you know, uh, you know, one of the best NBA players of all time, arguable goat, like all those things, he's going to do it. Um, and then out of all the things that I think of magic, wasn't a good public speaker. Like that was like, right. You know, yes. right. Like he's had his failures. He did his talk show, whatever, but magic is a paid public speaker. Like that's mm-hmm. a big, like he makes a lot of money from public speaking every year. Mm-hmm. Businesses hire him to come in and speak to their, their, um, their staff and their executives and whatever else he's on the executive speaking tour, like probably as an agent doing all this stuff for him. That's yep. incredible. The guy decides he's going to do something. And he makes it like, he's just, he's, he's one of those people that you just can't, you can't knock. And I don't know if you watch Matt Barnes, um, uh and uh uh steven jackson stack interview yep. him recently and yep. first thing matt barnes says is um magic 
how do I get on the how do I get on the yacht? The guy goes on a yacht for a month every summer. Like he just knows how to live life right. It was part of the issue when he was Laker G, when he was the president of the Lakers. Like he's just he's like August. I don't care what's going on. I'm on my yacht. Like I'm in the Mediterranean. This is what we do for a month. I celebrate my birthday. I survived HIV. This is what I'm doing every year. Oh my no God. matter what. So the guy knows how to have a good time. That's very obvious. Um, he knows how to uh, celebrate great. life. You can't hate on Magic. Do you remember? Man. You really can't. He's undeniable. Do you remember when Magic? I remember this, hearing this in the news that after that Magic got a like a grammar coach or a speaking coach that would tell him when he made mistakes and sort of train him to do that. And it all, I I remember him specifically saying that it sort of turned when he said during his HIV announcement that he attained. had attained yeah. exactly and that word he, he that he had he then employed a person that would tell him no, no no you can't use this or say that or you should say it this way or do it that way just his attention to wanting to be better at that and turning that into a lucrative public speaking career is he's just the guy's undeniable you're exactly right yeah 100 percent. you cannot knock the you can't knock the man can't knock the man. I love magic. He's the best. Obviously, there's there's family, there's God-given ability, there's all those things that mm-hmm. lead you to the, the path that you're in in your life. But I always wonder where I'd be at if I didn't encounter Magic Johnson playing basketball on the television scene screen. Because I know. my whole life and career has been around the love of basketball and the you know love of the NBA. <sighs> and it started with him, you know. So it's 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 lovely to hear you say that. You picked this moment. You wanted to talk about it. I love hearing your personal side of this. Uh, let, let's go to the next credential. It's the voting committee. Who voted today? This is when the family comes. This is when the listeners come and, and, and weigh in on this decision. Who uh, does it for today? Who's our, our voting committee? It's Andrew Ungvari, Andrew Unga on Twitter. Uh, we, I, met, I referenced a couple of his points, his tweets earlier on. Let's listen to what he, he has to say. I think the thing that people tend to forget is that we all thought magic was going to die not long after November of 1991. So to think that he was going to make a comeback in January of 1996 was completely unheard of. Sure. He played in the all-star game in 92 and he played in the Olympics But this was a guy who really went from not having played a meaningful NBA minute since the 1991 finals to getting a triple-double in his sixth game back in 1996. I remember watching that game, that first game back against Golden State in the basement of NYU's Alumni Hall dormitory with hip-hop producer extraordinaire the alchemist who (laughs) we were both huge laker fans growing up um we didn't know magic was going to come back and i want to think that had i known magic was going to come back i probably would not have made the move andrew votes yes the the personal side the personal connections hearing your personal connection hearing his personal connection those personal memories of this to me, it's a it's a real uh, thing to consider the, the 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 deep personal connections people have to this guy, what he went through, and then what he was accomplishing by coming back. 
it's special. It's it's absolutely a feather in this in this moment's cap. Uh, really fantastic. One hundred percent. Nate, we're almost running out of time. It is. I'm, as I'm looking at the rundown here, it looks like what's next on the docket is America's famous favorite podcast segment. It's called More Important. Nate, do you know More Important, the podcast segment? I'm not quite familiar with it, but you're you're gonna you're gonna hit, hit me too. <laughs> Perfect. <laughs> here we go. It's more important. People love it. That's all you need to know. Here we go. We're getting into more important. Uh, Nate, yes. you are an NBA agent. Yes. The uh, player empowerment era is running wild. It is affecting fans' enjoyment of the game. They can't. Uh, sink in with favorite teams on their players because they're going to leave. These players are load managing. It's affecting uh, people's enjoyment of the game. They're spending money on tickets to go see a player they're not playing. You are the tip of the spear. As an agent, you're the one interact. You're the one making this happen. What do you have to say about your role in the player empowerment era and how it's affecting fans of the NBA today? That, that that's funny because i haven't <laughs> oh i'm so sorry nate we don't have time for that nobody cares <laughs> about your answer oh man it's time for something more important nate i'm about to ask you a bunch of questions the music's playing there's a there's a timer ticking down we got to go fast they're, they're, i'm about to ask you a bunch of questions they're all way more important than that bullshit i just made up to put you on okay, the spot perfect, perfect, and your perfect. answer to these questions will define who you are as a person are you ready for more important nate oh man pressure but uh, pressure's on but i'm ready for it let's do it what is your favorite fast food burger favorite fast food burger in and out LA kid, man. Ugh, you Homer. You coward. You Homer. You Los Angeles coward. Okay, here we go. If you if you <laughs> wanted me to ele- if you want me to elevate it a little bit, I, I mean I like I, I love Shake Shack, but I feel like that's like Shake Shack, even though it's fast food, doesn't really feel like fast food. It's not a fast food burger. Like it's uh, in and out is a that's fast why food it's burger. the answer. No, that's why it's the answer. Fast because it does it is somehow made fast food not taste like fast food. You're right. Your second answer is right, your first answer is wrong. Let's move on. Who are your favorite athletes who've turned into media personalities? I really, I, I like Jalen Rose. I like Charles Barkley, um, Candace Parker, and you know I'm a little biased here, but um, Jamal Crawford's my guy, and um, I just yes. love the way he, he, the love of the game comes through when he's covering the game. Those are the guys that I would say off the top of my head that I, I really enjoy. They're great. Uh, who is the best wrestler, and what is your favorite finishing move? Oh man, it's so it, it's so hard to pick the best wrestler because they all have their. Don't be a coward. Don't be well, a if coward. I'm gonna, if I'm going to do that, if I'm going to if I'm going to do that, I'm going to have to go with the Macho Man Randy Savage. Uh huh. <laughs> and not only is he the best, but he's better than the best. Dig it. What a world-class impersonation of Randy Savage. What a great, oh man, what a great answer. I don't even want to, <laughs> that was so fantastic. I don't want to press you, but I did ask for favorite finishing move as well. What's your favorite finishing move? I'm going to give it a tie, but and they're both elbows. The people's elbow from The Rock, just because it's just pure hilarious, and I can't believe people took it serious. Um, it, it started off as a rib as an, and a joke, and it just be, went over to this day if anyone does it they he, if he shows up and does this tomorrow people will go crazy um and then 
Randy's elbow drop off the off the flying elbow drop off the top rope. Iconic, iconic, fantastic. Uh, great answer, Nate. Who is your favorite post player of all time in the NBA? Who's your favorite post player? Ooh, man, favorite post player of all time, um, Hakeem. That's I mean, it's pretty. It's pretty simple. Like if you're talking about just if you're talking about po- if you're talking about post moves, you go the dream. And I, I know people won't necessarily dig this because they're not thinking about a post player in this way. But Michael Jordan, I mean, the, that dude in yes, I love that late answer. career Michael Jordan in the post. Who was stopping that? No one was stopping that. The next credential. It's our cosign, Nate. The floor is yours. Does Magic's '96 comeback belong in the first ballot Hall of Fame, and why? Oh yeah, definitely belongs to the first ballot Hall of Fame because again, ask yourself what NBA great could take that much time off and come back and be an impact player at that late stage of an age and having HIV. Like it's just it's uh, there's no way that's not a first ballot <laughs> Hall of Fame uh, uh, accomplishment. It's time for the induction speech. That's when I and Neil get to decide whether this moment gets in. You know, it's a lot to think about. And if I'm being honest, going through that test of time, I started realizing, you know what? There's some horses here. There's some great comebacks. But damn near every one of those comebacks might have a a decent chance to get into the first battle hall of fame. Being in that pack, having that competition is not enough of a deterrent. Magic Johnson going through what he went through, which is one of one. It's never happened since him coming back and being an impact player. It's what I want this show to be about this. That's such a specific thing. Like if someone, if you had come on and been like, Neil, I want to talk about the 92 all-star game. I would have been like, of course you do. That's a great moment. You picking the 96 comeback and us detailing the reasons that made this great was so much fun. I had so much fun talking to you. It was so enjoyable to listen to you talk about this moment, to remember magic, to remember the guy that, that sparked my love, sparked your love in this game. Magic Johnson, the 96 Lakers, Nate Jones, congratulations. This moment is in the first ballot hall of fame. Yeah, let's do it. That's what I'm talking about. That's what I'm talking about. Nate, thank you so much for doing the show. I really appreciate it. Tell everybody how to follow you. Tell everybody what you're working on. Plug move again. The floor is yours. Uh, yeah, you can follow me on Twitter at Jones on the NBA. Just talk about all things basketball and everything going good in the NBA, anything around sports business, all those things. Also, at, always actively promoting um, my uh, insole uh, startup, uh, athletic performance insole startup called Move Insoles. Um, we're on Twitter at, at Move Insoles, but most of our content comes through on Instagram at Move Insoles. Have a bunch of NBA players involved. Uh, Damian Lillard, uh, Chris Paul, uh, Jamal Crawford, lots of NIL high school and college athletes. Um, it's fun stuff. So yeah, find us there. Move dot one is the website. I saw that you, um, were tied into like a, uh, Jason Williams, um, like fantasy camp too, that you were giving away moving souls at a Jason Williams fantasy camp. And, and that's what made me realize that I need to go to Jason Williams fantasy camp. Yeah, That's man. what I need in my life. <laughs> yeah. You, I'll, Nate, I'll, I'll connect so much you with my man that runs it. Fantastic. Oh, th- thank I mean, you so listen, much. I'm going to, 
the the only problem with me going to the fantasy camp is that uh, people the I'm going to get real consideration for a ten day, and I've got this show to do. I can't stop doing the show. People love it, but I, I might get a real ten day in the league if I if I go to this fantasy camp and in real people start to see me. The, the 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 gift is that I'm for the most part just in my basement recording this podcast. But if anybody sees me again, I said it earlier on. The the, the post play is 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 legitimate, and the the court vision is on another level. All right, I'm done. I'm done. Yeah, uh, it, and you'll uh, Nate, and you will again. surpass Magic Johnson on the first ballot Hall of Fame comeback. So, man, I don't know if I can allow that to happen now. <laughs> Got to protect Magic. Nate, thanks so much for doing this show. I appreciate it. I appreciate you, my man. This game is in the refrigerator. The doors closed. The lights are out. The butter's getting hard. The eggs are cooling, and the Jello is jiggling. That's it. That's the show. Many thanks to Mr. Nate Jones and to his simply marvelous Macho Man Randy Savage impression. Check out Move Insoles. I'm no insole expert, truly, but I genuinely love mine. A completely different shoe after I use them. Thanks to Robbie Roach and Jessica Sang. Follow at Rhythm J. He makes all the beats. Thanks to you all for listening again. I appreciate it. Next step, tell a friend, review the show. We're all we got. Stay healthy and come back next week for more First Ballot. Bees better than the best. Dig it.